Okay, we're reading from Matthew 7, 7 to 14. And if you've got um, the Version Bible, it's in events there. You can find us there. What do you say? <clears throat> Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And uh, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your son asks for bread will, will... Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Even through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Thank you, Veronica. Good morning. Uh, there's some faces here this morning that I don't recognise and haven't had a chance to meet yet, so let me introduce myself. My name is Nick, um, and it's my joy to be the pastor here at Yas Community Baptist Church. So I hope you've been already made to feel welcome, and that would be increasingly so uh, as we uh, continue our morning together and especially as we share around some morning tea uh, this morning. Like all good country Baptist churches, morning tea is something that we do well here, um, so please stick around for it. Um, I've already been prayed for, thanks Steve, but I like to, to pray um, as, I, as I get going with preaching. So pray with me as we uh, come to this word this morning. Mm. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing it is to have this rich deposit of truth in our life. I pray this morning that uh, you would make it uh, known to us, that you would make it understandable to us, but above all else, I pray that you would transform us uh, in every way by your Spirit and by this Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so for those who've been with us uh, over, well, we began this series last year and had a break for it over Christmas. We've been uh, journeying through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaching to his disciples within earshot of the crowd. Uh, and, and, and so as I was studying this passage for this week's sermon, I, I just had this moment where I thought, Jesus is brilliant, isn't he? I thought we're, we're thousands of years after Jesus spoke these words and, and Matthew wrote them down and, 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 and through thousands of years they've been handwritten and then the printing press was invented and they got printed print again. I thought in this passage, Jesus touches on three really key issues that the church and in fact the world faces today. These issues are that of passivity or, or apathy amongst the church and the world towards God. Just this sense of passivity and apathy. This, this other, the second issue is that we have low expectations of God. That, I've heard of a phrase before called practical atheists. That, well, we believe in God, but we live our lives as if He's not going to actually do anything in our life. And, and so Jesus touches on this level of expectation we have for God, but He also touches on the third issue is our understanding of who God is as a Father. 
and, and deep-rooted in society, of course, but even in the church we have this, this lack of understanding of who God is as a father that if we just grasped what Jesus says here in this passage about God being a good father, then it would transform our lives, it would transform the church, it would transform society. And so when it comes to passivity, uh, Jesus has this to say to the church. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so ask, seek, knock. I had to brush up on my English um, because it's the worst subject at school. English and history were the worst subjects for me at school and I see the irony that my job now involves a lot of English and a lot of history. Um, (laughs) But I had to brush up on my, my English and these are verbs. And what verbs require is action. You have to do something to live out a verb. Ask, seek, knock. and These are not passive words. They're not apathetic words. To ask here is it's to pray, it's to petition, it's to present a request to God. It's to say, please, can I have? Please, can you do to God? The example Jesus uses here, the illustration he gives us, it's like a child asking a father for bread. It's ask. To seek is, is to, to live out some action associated with that seeking. If a child asks for bread and the father says, yes, have bread, it's in the bread box, the seeking is going to the bread box to get it out. If it's a, a job that we're praying for, if we're asking for employment or provision, it's living out action that's pursuing what you're asking for. It's actually opening the job pages or, or talking to people you know that might have uh, employment for you. Have you seen a job? I, I heard of someone this week um, just that they, they're looking for work and so they just went into a, a, a space, into an employment, not an employment, into an employer and just said, here's my resume. I'm looking for a job. They didn't advertise any job. And so seeking is pursuing what you're actually asking for and, and knocking is banging on the door. It's persistence. It's, it's continuing to ask, to seek. It's continuing to pray. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, uh, we recorded that the, this same teaching about asking, seeking and knocking. But in Luke chapter 11, we're, we're told this story before Jesus says to ask, seek and knock. And he says, suppose one of you, Luke chapter 11 verse 5, One of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. Go away. Get lost. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, Jesus said, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because... Uh, He is his friend, yet because of this man's boldness, or we could translate that persistence, the Greek word kind of carries both of those meanings, because of this man's boldness and persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then it says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so Jesus told this parable to kind of illustrate what he means by knocking. It's persistence, it's boldness. It's not walking to the door and go, oh, it's closed. It's going in. I'm not going to knock on this door at the moment because the kids will come rushing forth. But (laughs) it's going to the door and knocking on it. It's asking and then seeking and then knocking on the door. 
But these aren't the only verbs. These aren't the only active words in this passage that we've read today. If we jump down a few verses, don't worry, we will get to the bit in the middle. Jesus says in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is often called the golden rule um, that shapes our behavior and it's kind of exploded out of faith into, into the world and it's just, well, we just got to do what's good for others, uh, what would be good for us to others. And, and, I, and I have to say that actually didn't originate with Jesus. This saying was around, uh, there's a famous saying from Rabbi Hillel who said, don't do what is hateful to yourself unto others. But what Jesus does with this that was a little bit different to anybody who had said it before him was he states it positively. He says, do, not just don't do. See, Rabbi Hillel, I can't say it properly, his version, all you needed to do was not do sinful or hateful things and, and in his mind you were fulfilling the law and the prophets. And Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's not far enough. That's, that's only half of it. I've shared before that, you know, I grew up in an Anglican church and the Anglican confessions are, I've not done, I have done what I ought not to have done, but I've also not done what I ought to have done. There's, there's two sides of this coin and so Jesus is saying, do, do, ask, seek, knock, do, not just don't do. And this sums up the law and the prophets and I'd say, um, apologies for putting Jesus in words in Jesus' mouth, this is releasing the kingdom into the lives of others when we do what we would love to be done to us, to others. But the, but the active words don't end there. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So Jesus is addressing another kind of apathy and passivity and that's just the, the kind of passiveness that's kind of active but you're just going with the flow with the crowd. You're, you're walking along with the world and, and Jesus is saying that road is wide, it's easy, it's a big wide gate and most people walk along it. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't walk that road Enter through a different gate. Enter through the gate of the kingdom. Enter through the gate of Jesus and walk the narrow road that leads to life. Ask, seek, knock, do, enter in. Don't just follow the crowd. And so Jesus taught his disciples to actively and passionately pursue God's kingdom. To actively and passionately pursue the things of God's kingdom. We might say, well, isn't, isn't salvation by grace? And I would say, amen. Hallelujah. My salvation, our forgiveness is all of God and all of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. It's none of me. I just receive it by faith. But then my Savior says to me, ask, seek, knock, do, enter in, walk the narrow road. We might say, well, doesn't the Bible teach us to be content with our circumstances? And I would say, absolutely, amen. But when Paul says, I've learnt to be content in all circumstances, he's talking about his material uh, comfort. But also, he's not passive in that. 
He's praying for provision. He's asking others to provide. He's, he's seeking that, but he's learnt to be satisfied with God's answer for that moment. It's not a passive, just take it as it comes, whatever falls on my plate. It's a asking, seeking, knocking, doing, entering in and being satisfied with what God gives us in each moment. And so Jesus wants us to be active and passionately pursuing God's kingdom. And so my question this morning is, what is it your desire to see God do in your life, community and world? Or in other words, what are you asking, seeking and knocking for? What are you asking, seeking and knocking for? Sometimes I've been in, in, our, in our life group or in Sunday morning getting together in prayer and, or other times where there's prayer and we're kind of sharing prayer points and, 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 and people might say this and I confess that I've said this uh, all too often, oh, I don't have any prayer points this week. And as I was looking at this passage and as I was thinking about that, I was like, seriously? We have moments in life where there's nothing to pray for? When we say that, we're essentially saying, well, the world's exactly as I would have it. And I guess what we mean by that is I've had a good week. I'm not sick. My children aren't sick. I'm not broke this week. I'm going okay. There's nothing that's screaming at me that I need uh, relief from. But we've got to learn to be desperate for the kingdom of God, to ask for God's inbreaking, to seek it, to knock on it. I've shared this before, my, my um, optimistic estimate of the number of the 6,500 people who live in Yass that are actively engaged in faith is less than 500. I'm optimistic and I like to round numbers. So that gives me 6,000 in this town that don't yet know Jesus, that are walking the broad road to destruction. And we would have nothing to pray for at times. There's people sick and, and, and suffering. There's people in financial hardship and we would have nothing to pray for at times. And so Jesus addresses this apathy, this passivity and says, ask, seek, knock, do, release the kingdom, enter into it. And then Jesus goes on to talk about our expectations of God's response to that. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then in case we missed what he's doing here, he says, for everyone who asks, receives. Put up your hand if you are part of everyone. There's a few non-everyones and I bless you. In Jesus' name. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus draws straight lines between asking and receiving. He draws straight lines before, between seeking and finding. He draws straight lines between knocking and having the door open to him. And not just here, but everywhere Jesus teaches on prayer, the most pervasive idea in his teaching about prayer is that we should expect that God will answer. Let me say that again. The most pervasive idea in Jesus' teaching on prayer is that we should expect that God will answer. 
And Jesus doesn't name what is asked for here. He doesn't name what we're seeking. He doesn't name what's knocked for. In the similar teaching in Luke, it, it, it's the, the Holy Spirit is what's given when we ask. But, but Matthew, when he records it, it was perhaps, you know, I presume Jesus taught the same message on several occasions. So maybe he recorded a different occasion or, or, or Matthew didn't include it here. But, but what I want to say is that in this passage in Matthew, I believe that there's no specific thing included for a purpose. So I think Jesus doesn't name it or Matthew doesn't record it because he doesn't want us to be limited in our thinking about what we should expect answer to God about. We have this tendency as humans to diminish what Jesus is saying here and to reduce it down to things that we don't really need to ask, seek or knock for anyway. I don't believe Jesus wants us to limit our thinking about what we might ask for, what we might seek from him, or what doors we might knock on. It reminds me of this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21, where the Apostle Paul is saying, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So there's no limit in what God can do. In fact, it's our asking and our imagination that's limited. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so what we need to do, church, is we need to exponentially increase our expectations of God. Exponentially Increase your expectations of God. Should we pray according to God's will? Well, on one level that goes without saying, of course, if our prayers are completely against God's will, then then this isn't what Jesus is talking about here. But but I want to say God's will is pleasing and good and perfect and expansive, not limiting and restricting. And what I want to say, if if you're worried about what you're praying for, is it God's will or not, then what I encourage you to do is keep asking it, keep seeking it, keep knocking it with an open heart before the Father and and over time it won't be long before through that prayer he, He brings your maybe slightly off alignment in prayer into alignment. So let's not edit our prayers. Let's not reduce our level of praying down to something that we're, we're, we're absolutely 100% certain couldn't possibly be not God's will. Like pray those prayers as well, but, but ask, seek, knock, and you'll soon be shaped by the Father in the process of praying if, if your prayers are off. You might say, well, what about disappointments? I've prayed, and I'm pretty sure it was God's will. But I asked and I didn't receive. I sought and I didn't find. I knocked and the door wasn't open to me. Or to you, I'd say, keep asking. 
keep seeking, keep knocking. And if the thing that you, you were praying about is done and, it, and it's, you know, it's not coming back, then don't let it limit your asking and knocking and seeking about other things. We live in a, a season of history that's now but not yet. The fullness of the kingdom has come, yet we await it fully in Jesus' return. We have access to the Father through Jesus, yet we wait to dwell in His fully manifest presence. We live in a time of tension. But I want to encourage you, if you've been disappointed in prayer, then don't let that disappointment lead to disillusion. I've spoken for those that have been around for a while, I spoke uh, before about what we need to do when, when our prayers don't align with answers is to not try and explain that away, but to step into the gap, to continue to ask and seek and knock in that tension between the promises of the Scriptures and our lived experience. Because the problem is when we try and explain the gap, we find reasons to stop asking. We find reasons to stop seeking. We find reasons to stop knocking that I don't believe Jesus is giving us. So yes, in our lived experience, there are times where we don't see answer to prayer. But don't take what Jesus says, don't take the scripture and and pull it down to your level of experience. Keep pressing in, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking, keep crying out to God and say, Jesus promised this To us, Father, exponentially increase your expectations of God. There is unanswered prayer, yes. But I believe what's far more common is unprayed prayer. Jesus doesn't actually say this, but but we can extrapolate from that, that if we don't ask, well, then we don't receive. If we don't seek, we don't find. If we don't knock, the door won't be open to us. James says in his letter to the churches, he says, you desire but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So James is talking about the source of conflict here, uh, if you read verse 1. So you quarrel and fight, you do not have, James says, because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. And then he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so James is affirming there that idea if it's completely outside of God's will, if it's just for you, then then you're probably not going to receive that. But as I said, keep praying and God will realign you. But if we don't ask, we won't receive. And James, pardon me, James identifies here that that has cascading problems for the entire world, not just your life in the church. We fight and quarrel and kill over what we don't have, but we haven't actually asked God for it in the first place. If you don't have, but you want it, especially if you believe that God wants you to have it, then ask God. Seek God. Knock on its door. So as I said, we need to exponentially increase our expectations of God. Because it's our level of expectation that will drive our level of asking, our level of seeking and our level of knocking. Our level of expectation will drive that. So if we have low expectations of God, 
We won't ask much. We won't seek much. We won't knock much. And so we need to take Jesus at his word. Believe that what he speaks is the truth and pray with increased expectations. Ask, seek, knock, do, enter. Then Jesus, in this middle bit of this passage that we've been looking at, he does something in the realm of that question about God's character. See, our level of expectation needs to not be anchored in who we are or in how well we pray, but our level of expectation needs to be anchored in the goodness of who God is. And so he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And so fish and bread, these were, were the staple diet of a, a Palestinian Jew in Jesus' day. They, they ate bread and they ate fish. And so it's kind of similar to one of my three sons coming to me and asking in the morning, can I have wheat bix for breakfast? And me going, yes, sure, sure. And, and, and if you've been to our house, we've got all of these you know, rocks outside um, in the landscaping that was done and, um, and, and getting a bowl full of rocks and scooping it up and going, here's your wheat bix Ha, 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 it's a bowl of rocks. Or, or, or them asking, can we have sausages for dinner? And going, yeah, yeah, you can have sausages for dinner and going and catching a snake and putting that on its plate. This, this is a, a, a son or a child coming to a father asking for you know, the basic staples of life. And so Jesus says, which of you would, you know, dad jokes aside, which of you would actually do that to your child? The unsaid answer is, none of, no one would do that. No one would do that. And so Jesus goes on to say that if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says, if sinful, broken, prideful, selfish, struggling, evil fathers, he's not saying all dads are bad dads, he's saying that all dads are fallen. No dads are perfect. And even if, if you human, broken, fallen, struggling fathers can provide what your children need when they ask for it from you, then how much more will the perfect, good, holy, loving God give good gifts to his children when they ask? Jesus uproots some of our key reasons to have low expectations. Firstly, we might have low expectations because we think, oh, I'm just unworthy. I'm, I'm not good enough for God to want to give me that good gift. Or I'm not good enough to, to be used by God to, to bring revival to my sphere of friendship. Sphere of friendship. We might, we might just feel unworthy in ourselves, and so we have low expectations of, of how God will respond to our prayers. And so into that space, Jesus says, well, it's, it's not about who you are. It's not about who you are. It's about who God is. Jesus does not say, ask and you shall receive because you're a good person. 
says, ask and receive because even an evil father can give good gifts and, and your father in heaven is the complete opposite of evil. It, it's about who he is. He's a good father and he longs to give you good gifts. And in doing so, Jesus uproots another kind of uh, reason we might have low levels of expectation about God and that's just simply the nature of God's character. See, sometimes even those of us with faith have this idea of God that is some kind of evil genie. Now, be careful what you pray for. You know, you, you need to be specific that it's a sausage and not a snake that you want. Otherwise, God might give you a snake. That, or, you know, that God's this distant, as Christy prayed during worship this morning, about Him not being a distant and detached God. They have this sense of like God's just way up there somewhere and we need to really shout loudly. We really need to beg and, and come up with great legal arguments of why God should answer our prayer. And Jesus reminds us, teaches us, it's not about who we are, it's about who God is. And He's not an evil genie. He's not distant. He's not unloving. He's not unkind. He's a good Father. And he loves you. And it brings him joy to give you good gifts when you ask, when you seek, when you knock. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to give you what you're looking for in life. He wants to open doors for you. Ask, seek, Knock. And while you're doing it, do to others what you would have them to do. Release the kingdom. Enter through the narrow gate. Don't just follow the crowd. Enter through the narrow gate. Walk the life of Jesus' discipleship. Walk the life of being a disciple of Jesus. The other road's wide and easy, but the ending ain't so great. It leads to destruction. Walk the life of following Jesus. And so Jesus wants his followers to passionately pursue the kingdom and the things of the kingdom. He doesn't want us to be passive. He doesn't want us to be apathetic. He wants us to chase after them, to ask, to seek, to knock, to do, to enter in. Jesus' teaching should lead us to exponentially increase our expectations that God will respond when we ask, when we seek when we knock. But Jesus' teaching also tells us that the only real way to have high expectations of God is to understand who He really is. Not an evil genie, not distant, not unloving, but a good, good father. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.